Welcome back, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned in to another exciting adventure with us here on Discology. I am your host, Kevin. As usual, we are coming to you live from a tiny shack. It is so pleasant here in the land of pleasant living. I cannot even with you guys. And, and one thing that's been making it a little more pleasant is this new His Golden Messenger album that we're going to be talking about today. MC Taylor is on a 12-album run of excellence. Uh, he has been a lot of things. He's been a punk guy. He's been a... A more Americana guy, and now he is just sort of... I don't even know how you describe his Golden Messenger's music. It is its own genre unto itself, and it's also got a lot of other great things going for it. Besides Mike's uh, undeniable talent, our good friend Phil Cook and his guitar heels are the band behind this. Uh, They have been for a couple years now. And um, if you're looking for music that uh, helps you question... uh, helps, Helps you sort of get in a better state to deal with the bigger questions of life, the universe, like why are we here, what does it all mean uh, is it all going to end uh, because of this sort of toxic environment we're living in in 2019 this is this is the album for you this is going to sort of ease you into a state where you can, you can think about these things and not necessarily be so panicked uh, it's a great album, and I invited my friends Jonathan from Brokedown Pod and Wes, you know Wes Covey, uh, to hang out and talk about it. And so that's what we're going to be doing on this episode. And speaking about Jonathan and Brokedown Pod, he is on the Osiris Podcast Network, which we are as well. This is Dead to Me, hosted by Casey Ray. We're we're all out there on this in this sort of fascinating and fabulous community of music lovers putting together a whole new thing, trying to like get more music to the masses uh every show up there is talking about music from all kinds of different angles uh there are videos there are news reports there are interviews with your favorite artists uh it's a great thing that they're doing over there we are proud to be associated with them and and if you are specifically a fan of jam bands then you are in luck because jambands.com is also partnered with Osiris. You go there, you're going to find out everything about every single jam band. Like you want to know about the Vita Blue concert at 930 Club? They've got a recap up there. They got a thing up there about the Vita Blue concert at the 930 Club recently. So, uh, it, it's just all, it's all good guys. It's all good. So, so please check them out. Osiris Pod. Dot com and jambase.com and with that out of the way i think let's get into it let's 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 step into mc taylor's world his new album is terms of surrender and this is i need a teacher See where you're at, I know you can see me Beauty in the broken American 
That's a little bit of I Need a Teacher off of MC Haler, otherwise known as His Golden Messenger's new album, Terms of Surrender. Uh, if you don't know MC Taylor, go back a few years and, uh, and read Chris Richards' like exhaustive um, piece on him. It was, I don't know, like 18 pages. It's, it's a fantastic piece on him. But essentially, he is a uh, musician, poet, historian located down in Durham, North Carolina, uh, and is now playing with... I think yeah, Jonathan and I, our friend. I don't know. You don't know Phil no, West, but but uh, but our friend Phil Cook and the Guitar Heels are now the band behind His Golden Messenger. Uh, that's been sort of coming for a year. I think this is one of the first albums that that it really came to fruition, and you can really hear that this is uh, for fans of of this band. I think this is a little more polished version of His Golden Messenger, and maybe even a little darker version of His Golden Messenger. And and, and I'd love to see what you guys think about this because. This guy has always been a great, uh, you know, it, it, there's a vibe to his stuff, uh, but it is, and, and I mean this in a good way, uh, it's a little one note. Um, and, and for me, the challenge with His Golden Messenger has always been, uh, you get sort of sucked into that note and that vibe, and you're like, this feels good. And, and, and you never necessarily push further. And I think with this work, this specific album and anything else, it's, it's sort of required because he's talking about uh, depression. He's talking about the end of the world. He's talking about, like a lot of people are talking about, like the, the coming apocalypse, uh, but often in just terms of him personally, um, which I think is a side effect of the times we're living through. So, uh, but I, I know, Wes, you are... You, you recently saw him play a, a nice little solo gig, right? Yeah, it's actually it's a super cool thing. So, um, so I live in Freeport, Maine, um, and um, MC Taylor's wife. Um, and there's been mixed reports, um, and, and I say mixed reports coming from him um, on stage about whether his wife's family is from Yarmouth or Falmouth or, or what. But they're from this general area, um, so it seems like you know every summer um, he's been coming up here, um, you know, for a bit of a vacation. Um, and it's been really cool. I think the last five years, I think maybe six years, um, there's a little, um, club in Portland, Maine, um, called the one Longfellow square. That's a really nice, like very intimate, small venue. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of great shows there. Um, and so I've been, I, I, yeah, I think it's five years that he's been, um, doing these solo shows. Um, and I've gotten to see four of the last five, um, or five of the last six or something like that. And it's, it's awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, really, really nice opportunity to see him in a very, um, kind of you know, calm, friendly, just having fun, um, you know, interacting with the audience a lot and playing a lot of great songs. Do the songs, when, when he does them solo, do they, do they leap out to you more? Like, do you get more into the meaning? Yeah, and that's the thing that, you know, that I've kind of struggled with each one of his releases because I've had the benefit of getting to hear a lot of the new songs solo acoustic right. first. It takes me a couple listens, um, you know, to get into each of the albums just because he's been playing around in different ways you know the sound on heart like a levy is very different from the sound on hallelujah anyhow it's very different you know and i got into him um uh, with bad debt um you know basically solo acoustic record you know recorded with recorders dick sitting in his kitchen playing his guitar um yeah. and you know so with that being my favorite of his albums um 
and with seeing these acoustic shows, like I, I can't help but say that I kind of, you know, want him to do another, like basically solo acoustic album. Um, because they really do like the power of the songs come through really nicely. He's, um, he's a really solid guitar player. Um, and that's mm-hmm. something that I think it doesn't really come through on the albums because he's got such a great supporting group, um, you know, and, and they really like, you know, and I think it, it, it's a lot of Phil Cook's guidance, um, you know, is my impression, at least, that has been kind of shaping yeah. that sound and doing the arrangements and stuff like that. Um, and it is like, you know, as as I get into each of the albums um, recorded, I really like those arrangements. But yeah, th- there is a real power um, to the way that he supports the songs with just his guitar. Um, and, you know, I mean, you, you know, you and I have spoken a lot, Kevin, about how I struggle to hear lyrics. Um, and so it's yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. easier for me when it's just guitar and voice. So, so Jonathan, are you a lyrics guy or are you, are you a vibes guy? I'm very much a lyrics guy, but I have always entered into his golden messenger records by the vibes uh, yeah. because they're the first thing they just envelop you and you know it's not like the the words or the vocals are mixed low you just kind of I, I get the feel of the of the sound of the song and mm-hmm. after a few passes that's when i really start to unpack more than just the chorus or what have you and uh, that's kind of always been the way i've talked about talked or written or whatever uh, about many his last several albums I, I can't even remember when i started when i picked up on him but uh you know it's been that way every single time but then yeah. once i do un- start to unpack the lyrics it's usually pretty mind-blowing and you, i think you've summarized it right he's speaking about this uh, personal apocalypse and uh fatherhood which you know has been a big theme for the past you know number of records as well because obviously it's kind of a big deal when one gets into that and um (laughs) or hopefully yeah and 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 you're you're a dad and we aren't so like it's it's interesting to know like how songs affect you on this uh you know there's a lot of dialogue with his kids on this this record and a couple of different record uh, a couple of different songs he's doing that or he's taking their perspective or an imagined perspective of a, another parent or trying to figure out, you know, look at me, you know, see me the way you see me, not the way I see myself is one of the lines in this thing. And it's, you know, it's crushing. And he, and he's said similar things before, but, uh, yeah, uh, he's as a dad, (laughs) it does, (laughs) um, it really resonates a lot when he gets into those things. Yeah, I think a really great example of that is Happy Birthday Baby. It really is. Oh, love your brother now. It's a strange gift, baby. Yeah, you know me better than I know myself. Well, I'm trying to repay you. Well, there's miles that are wrong When I'm far away, babe Know that I love you And sing this little song One was a lonely number two You were born under three It was lightning quick You lit up the house like a matchstick Four, child, you're a wonder you know, uh, and you, you already quoted a lot, but you know, this is 
it, it describes a, a sort of sweet interaction, but it also feels a little bit like the last interaction. <laughs> I, I, I read, I think it was in the Rolling Stone piece that came out yeah. this week. He spoke about how he, he was considering that what if these are the, you know, last words I share with my kids because he often ruminates about long time spent on the road as, as a necessity as a uh, working musician, um, because how else are you working? So um, it's right. it's a dilemma because you you want to be around for your family, you want to be with your family, you miss so much, and then there's just all of the uh, dark corners to turn around when you're out there on the road, uh, and you never know mm-hmm. what's beyond them, and whether you know the road's going to bring you back. And I'm, that's a thing that he uh, really hangs on heavily. Uh, this song, Happy Birthday Baby, also one of the things that first attracted me before I began to unpack all the lyrics was the it's got the refrain is a counting uh, lyric. And I love counting yeah. lyrics for some reason. That's one of the uh, <laughs> like 10 things that you can you can put in a song to get my attention. Um, counting lyrics that are good and original. And I think these these are. I think All it also that. I think it also indicates uh, uh, more deeply the conversation going on with the child, especially if it's a younger child. You know, you practice counting with that, right. and so you know th- what what I got out of that was like he's saying like one, and the child is responding, but the, then it's followed by the interior thoughts that the child doesn't hear. Yeah, uh, you know, because he's saying one was a lonely number, two you were born in thunder, three it was lightning quick, you lit up the house like a matchstick. That's just that's a it's a very sweet. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I like I said, I don't have kids. That's how I felt uh, when we got our cat Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, uh, it's like that though. You know, they really do. Yeah. They they uh, they just they turn on switches you didn't know you had. Yeah, yeah. So another side to this stuff is stuff, something that has been in all of his work, and that is the side of religion. And this question, and this is a thing uh, we know from talking with Phil and other people. Uh, faith is a, is seriously a lot uh, has a lot to do with the art that this crew down there creates, and we've talked about it a lot. Uh, it's um, it's not, and we've also talked about how it's not like I'm an atheist, and so it's not, you know, I don't relate like very specifically to it, but seeing what people like Phil, what MC Taylor are doing with it and other people uh, is uplifting and makes an argument for why it's sort of essential regardless of what your faith is. Uh, There's this song though called My Wing that I think is is a fascinating take on this. Make it in 
It says, Oh my wing, just a fly. Which, if you take it at its heart or at its face value, it just seems like, you know, maybe a church hymn, you know, and, and saying, Hoping God or whatever will uplift you. But I think it also is addressing what he is addressing throughout this album is the complications of faith because people pray, and more often than not, those prayers don't get answered. Yeah, you know, and and this, there's a real feeling in that song, even though it's it's a little more uplifting, uh, and I I think it, it's one of the more hiss sounding songs on this album. That uh, you know, the guy's at his at his wit's end, <laughs> and, and just just has this wing, this spiritual wing, and there's no wind coming, and what do you do? I think it's an interesting thing with. <clears throat> You know, this concept of of belief and faith um, and, you know, what that means to people, you know, comes up pretty frequently um, in conversations around a lot of different types of music, I think. Um, It's come up pretty frequently, um, you know, in your episodes, Kevin. And um, I I think it's it's a really interesting thing, you know, especially in this country right now when it's really easy to see a lot of the sketchy sides of religion. Um, That's pretty apparent. Um, That's pretty apparent a lot of places in the world. Um, that said, faith can do a lot of beautiful things for people. I think that's pretty obvious, you know, even when you're aware of the sketchiness, um, you know, when you talk to, to people who are practicing faith in the right way, um, which I think, you know, it seems like he is doing, um, you know, Aaron Abernathy, um, obviously, you know, a man of strong faith who is doing it in exactly the right way, um, and I think that that's a really important thing to remember, that even for those of us who may have different beliefs, um, you know, I, I do have beliefs. I don't quite have a vocabulary for it. It doesn't fit in with, you know, any, right. like, you know, established, um, you know, set of, of or, you know, certainly in any established religion. Um, but, you know, what I could call faith, um, if I was a little more comfortable with that word myself. Um, is something that has really helped me through a lot of challenging times um, and in, in understanding things in different ways. And I, I like that he is able to approach these things. You know, you can listen to his catalog and honestly not necessarily notice um, to yeah. certain extents. Um, or if you are aware of that, I mean, I remember having a conversation with my brother, um, you know, who introduced me to Hiss back in the bad debt days. I think you, I forget if it was after poor moon or, or which, but he, he said something, my brother said something to me about kind of like, yeah, you know, it's a little interesting to see him going a little heavier on this Christian side. Um, and I kind of said, well, you know, like haven't listened to the record. Like I'm not entirely sure that um, Jesus shot me in the head is an explicitly <laughs> religious line. Um, and yet at the same time, I think like one of the things that strikes me about his lyrics is that on the surface, when I first hear them or first read them, it can seem like kind of, okay, yeah, it's a good line. It's solid. It's serviceable. But then the more you think about it, this is sort of what you were saying, Jonathan, I think, like you can hear them, notice them, 
they're good. You know, you're not going to see them as, as weak lyrics in any way, but it's only upon a little bit of reflection that you start realizing he's somebody who can hide, kind of hide the, de- the depth of his words. Um, and it can seem a little simple sometimes. And then the more you think about it, you're kind of like, okay, that's actually really onto something. And I think that line that you just quoted, Kevin, from uh, my wing is, is really dead on with that. It, it could be easily passed over um, as a, you know, serviceable functional line. You can go down a wormhole with any of these songs, like, yeah. and and I, I definitely, I like, I went down a wormhole with this song yesterday. I just, it, it's sort of like mantra, which is, you know, chanting and stuff is, is native to to religious practices and and ceremonies and stuff. But it's interesting you mentioned uh, said the word vocabulary because I think that's what he's doing is like instead of just telling you how he's questioning his faith and how he sees the world, and like, look, as an artist, I think there's there's some effort to be like, hey, I'm trying to help other people do this uh but he's he's giving you a different vocabulary because mm-hmm. it's very easy to just be like this part sucks this part is good this part you know and like i i have questions but instead he's sort of talking through the questions like like normal people i think do yeah he's got um i i see evidence a lot of evidence of faith but without religion perhaps so i don't i think it's disorganized just like everything else in life it, you know you attempt to sort it and it, it attempts to sort you and um you know you doubt question lose uh, all of it uh from time to time and he definitely explores that whole range in in all of his work and you hear it again in this record and i <laughs> i like to wrap myself up in that confusion when i listen to his records yeah. because uh, it feels very real and honest. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people want to come out and say whatever they want to say, but they they make bold uh, statements of belief and s- certainty. And most people don't really feel that certainty. And I think, and I think, but they want to pretend they do, right. uh, but he's, he's being right. real about it. You know, it, it tears at him and he doesn't always know which which angle is the right one to approach anything it's a, it's a vulnerability yeah. you don't often yeah. see in a lot of a lot of musicians where uh and that's a good point like most people are like this is i'm right this is my thing and this is my statement when then look nobody's right i think the honesty and i don't mean that and like everything is subjective right. like I, I think i just think you know there are answers that we don't have and um part of the joy in, in a lot of art is that they make you think about this stuff. I think the best trick that he does and has done throughout his entire career is sets you in by being that sort of one note-ish, mm-hmm. uh, sets you in this mode where you can receive transmissions. Yeah, you from the first notes of the record, you're like, ah, we're back. New his record. Yeah, That's actually right. It feels right. exactly yeah. what you want it to feel like. And yet yeah. there's still a lot of newness to the sound and things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of... Uh, there's some gloss there's you know guitars that sound like horns and and you know we have uh, uh aaron desner and josh kaufman uh from the national yeah. picking up a lot of the instruments and things in this record too which is a bit of a change um but it doesn't sound radically different in yeah. spite of that i like that he's been able on his albums um you know, as I said, as somebody who kind of like continually wants him to do another acoustic album, yeah. um, after a couple listens on each thing that he releases, I really start connecting with it again and really loving the arrangements. And this certainly has happened with with this album. Um, I think that he is doing a really good job with his group of 
pushing the boundaries um, of his general sound. He's he's keeping that groove. He's keeping that kind of thing that, that does immediately connect a lot of us to his work. Um, but he's he's playing around. He's trying new things on different albums, um, which I really respect. Sometimes I think they're a little more successful than um, some other times. Um, but I, I do like that he's doing that. And I think he's managing to do that and, you know, extend a little bit the sound he's going for while keeping that honesty and humanity in his lyrics um, that allows that real kind of like deeper connection. You can connect with the groove on one level. Um, you can connect mm-hmm. with the new sound if you're a longtime fan on a second level. Um, but there is that real honest, deep humanity. You know, he's with his lyrics, for example, he's not trying to necessarily be clever or like super smart. You know, you don't get any impression if he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, like I got this great wordplay or like, dude, like, you know, nobody's ever said this in this way before. It's just going right to kind of deep human truths. And yet he really is really smart and there's yes. great wordplay and all of that. It's just yeah, seems deeply very thoughtful. Natural. Yeah, deeply thoughtful. I, I, I think I think that shows up uh, the best on the song. simple one phil cook period (laughs) and i say that for a couple reasons for starters the first thing that really caught me on that song um you know i had this album on with headphones last night um and the first time with headphones um which uh, you know was was definitely a um, deep in really really deep in my appreciation for the arrangements and all of that stuff um but the first thing that grabbed me is like honestly like what is that sound and then I'm like, wait, like that's a harmonica, but what? Like you know, and I, I honestly like I'm still trying to kind of figure this out because as I said, like I just noticed it last night. Like I don't know if he's using um, just a, a deeper toned harmonica because um, you know those do exist, or if he has altered it in some way or something. But he is getting sounds um, out of that harmonica that are just stunning. And I think I think that's also it's a pairing of like Mike's MC's. Uh knowledge of history with yeah. phil's knowledge of music yeah. history if you ever sit down and talk to phil like you're gonna be talking for a while <laughs> I, I am so looking forward to that opportunity it's a lot it's of gonna, rabbit holes yeah it's down. gonna yes. be happening and i can't wait and um yeah i mean these are these are two people um like i forget exactly the details but one of the things that that mc taylor mentioned at one of the, the shows at um you know in portland that i saw um was his working on 
you know, history projects. He was brought in, um, you know, to do some historian work um, down in North Carolina, I believe it was. And, and I don't remember really the, de- the details, but that's really cool. And then, as you said, like Phil, you know, I mean, his idea, th- th- that concept um, that you guys have talked about on the show before about the musical tree, um, you know, is just brilliant. Um, and these are people who are thinking so deeply about this stuff. And then you tie that in together with the talent that they have for arrangement, for playing, for getting out sounds. I mean, one thing that I love about Whip, um, I have a hard time imagining that that, like, it just sounds to me like kind of a first take in the best possible way. Like, let's see you do that again, guys. You know, like, I want to hear that song live by the band because it's just like, it sounds like you know, just something that you could just do once and it was so magical and then off it goes, you know. It's a it's a high point in the album for sure. Yeah. I mean, he, his music has often been described as like sort of country blues mm-hmm. and, and that definitely needs more than the blues. This to me is is a, and this makes total sense knowing uh, who's involved, a, a an updated version of the work like Ry Cooter was yeah. doing. Yeah. Uh, around the time, around the time, the Crossroads soundtrack. Yep, yep exactly. Uh, you know. It's a very experimental form of blues, and that's what I like. You know, when I was in college, yeah. um, you know, first getting really like, you know, deeply into playing fingerstyle guitar and stuff like that. You know, I was listening to a lot of the acoustic blues and Delta blues and Texas blues and stuff like that. I'm not a big electric blues fan, um, mm-hmm. but honestly, what it comes down to is, though I love a lot of blues, I get bored really quickly. Um, <laughs> you know, just plain and simple, like, oh, good. Wow. You're playing a pentatonic scale. Like, wow, good for you. Um, that said, there are sounds that are happening in this song that updates the blues. And, and I think that that happens because as I just said, like you've got really talented players who know their history. And history is, is a big component about that, uh, of that, because yeah, it is easy to get bored with blues. I mean, I, I can say that about any genre, oh, sure. stuff, but, but you know, it, with respects to like what he's doing, I think that to me is the more blues side of it. Is that a blues song isn't about necessarily the playing, right? I don't I don't know when it became about the Stevie Ray Vaughan solos. Probably around the okay, time great. that Stevie Ray Vaughan started recording his solos. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty good bet, give or take. You know, something like that. About three years before Texas Flood. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, you know, it, it's about what the content and the history of the song. And it's about emotion. It's always a, yeah, it, but it's always about how get people in the door to talk about more serious things. Yeah, okay, yep, yep, yep. yep. It, but, and, but the feeling behind it, you know, and then that's, I think, where it really comes in. Like, the blues gets really dull really quickly if you're just talking about pentatonic scales over a 1-4-5 chord progression. Yes. Nobody's going to care before very long. But yeah. that said, like, you can do a lot around that framework. That's why it's a powerful and important framework. Um, the great players, like, I don't know, if you t- like take someone like Skip James, you know, his power was in the emotion he conveyed through his voice, through his playing. Um, like, yeah, he was an extraordinarily talented guy. His playing is complex, stuff like that. But it's it's the sounds that he manages to get through. And that's the thing of an interesting player on any horn. I mean, you know, I was listening. <laughs> here we go to continue our our, um, our thread here, Kevin. I'm going to mention Harmony of Difference again, which we do every mm-hmm. time we talk. But I was listening to that album again the other <laughs> yeah. day. Um, and Kamasi's tone in that record just destroys me because he's saying so much through the sound he's getting through his horn. It's not the notes he's playing. 
It's not the arrangement. It's not, I mean, you know, for, for me, like he's more of a composer than he is a soloist. That's where I love more of his stuff. Yep. But there, it, it's the tone on that record. It's the same thing when I listen to Shabaka Hutchings. Like there's just something about his tone that just gets to me because he's expressing something, um, you know, and I, as, as, a, as a musician who works largely in non-linguistic music um, and tones, you know, I really connect with that side of it. Um, and that's what a good blues song should do and i feel like i mean that's what's coming through phil cook's harmonica on this song that's what's coming through yeah. a lot of the other more experimental parts of that arrangement is a deep deep emotion that is at the core of the blues i think deep deep emotion is at the core of his golden messenger yeah so, yeah. yeah humanity honesty little... truth deep emotion yeah we get um the i just want to shout out lap steel guitar from josh kaufman that you hear a couple times on yeah. this record uh, conveys some of that as well, yeah. and I just love hearing a steel guitar in any context. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just, I, I just want to thank Josh for playing it on this record. It's <laughs> 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 the most mundane statement, but I, I just had to make it. Well, sometimes no, thank yous are no, powerful. It's, it's, you know, it it is. I think that's the power of this album. I I am uh, famously, and I'll out myself on this, like not always like the biggest fan of of any of of this. You know, I have. Uh, I play uh, Hallelujah Anyhow a lot, mm -hmm. uh, but like I don't revisit something like Heart Like a Levy, and that's yeah. just... I don't care for that one know, as much, ex except except to study it. Yeah. But but the the work that people are doing, especially on this one, is is astounding, yeah. and and that uh, like the progression of what Phil has done with the guitar heels, like they're plugged in. They're not just his Golden Messenger either. They're they're all those guys are like all over the place down there. This. Yep. This this community down in Durham supports each other, and and you know Mike right now is sort of the, the flagship product, if you will, uh, and and he can get the most uh, he can get the most coin uh, for his work. And but I, I just remember Phil telling me about how they had become this band, and I I, I just got really excited. I'm like, oh, okay, so now it's now it's not some loose collective. Now it's this is it. And you know you'll you'll he does he does get shouted out in the Rolling Stone article. He said, "What do you say about Mike?" He said he had a prolific bone to pick with the world. <laughs> uh, but uh, but you know you'll you'll see that when you go see His Golden Messenger live. I think of how just how good this band is. Oh, the on, on stage chemistry of the group is outstanding yeah. and extremely compelling. They're having a terrific time and really listening and working off of each other. Uh, uh, I suggest everybody stand to the back so they can see everything, and so I'll have more room up front. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this, so this is a win, guys. Oh yeah, right? this, this uh, album's. I think this yeah. is gonna, this is gonna end up um, being, I think you know, in the the top end of his albums. Um, you know, he's he's building a solid catalog at this point, both in terms of the number of records and the consistent quality. Um, even when there's you know, favorites and ones that I like a little bit less. Like, I'm never going to not enjoy a Hiss album when it's on, um, or at least none of the ones that I've heard so far, and I, I don't expect to, to not enjoy anyone coming up. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this is going to this is going to stand as one of his stronger ones. Yeah, it's certainly making a good showing in my early listening over the past uh, week or so that I've, I've been messing with it. And I think that if he keeps this up, there's before too long, there's going to be a Hiss Golden Messenger record for it every mood yeah that's that yeah. sounds about right that sounds about right so whatever level of fandom you want to get into yeah i this is certainly i think my favorite of his 
Um, I look, I, I am skewing towards uh, apocalypse music. <laughs> in 2019, uh, so so it's not going to be, you know. It also a lot of it had to do with his depression and anxiety, uh, which uh, there's a lot of relatable lines in here to that. They're very very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and but yeah, it's it's a it's a total win. I hope they they do a. I hope they do like a stadium tour. <laughs> like just, just uh, like the, you know, just, I was just lamenting just a little while ago that you know the first time I saw them was at the Black Cat, and he was you know he walked yeah. right in, got right up front, and it was terrific. I think Phil opened the show solo, and and yeah. uh, you were probably there. Um, yeah, I was. And, and now at nine thirty club, you have to wait in line to get up front, and next thing you know, they're not going to be playing nine thirty. It's going to be Anthem or somewhere bigger, somewhere bigger. And I wish well. <laughs> for the band, yeah. but I will miss these small rooms. Yeah, I miss them, but it also means that like uh, more more people to sort of receive the gospel. And, and it's it's some it's worth receiving. It's something to get out there in front of. It's one thing to bend it, but another to break it. And I saw the fire. Discord Messenger's Terms of Surrender is available everywhere you can buy fine records. I suggest you go out and do that. And he'll be out on tour, obviously, so I suggest you go out and do that. It's, it's always a great evening. I don't I don't know what the configuration is going to be for this tour, but I know previously it was Phil opening uh, solo, which was fantastic. Uh, Phil Cook, that is. And then Hiss uh, playing. And it's just a, it's just a soul-nourishing type of uh, evening of music that you don't you don't get too often these days. So so get out there and, and get it for yourself. Well, if you look down in the show notes, or actually below the show notes, there's a list of tour dates where they're out on the road. And please go out and get this fine record available from Merge Records. You guys love Merge. We all love Merge. Merge is kick-ass. I did a good thing signing this guy. Uh, that is it for this episode of Discologist. If you like what you heard, subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts. Leave us a radio message there. We love feedback. So do that. You can also listen to us on Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, or Spotify. And um, out there on the socials, at Chunky Glasses on Twitter and Instagram, and slash Chunky Glasses on Facebook. And you're wondering to yourself, why Chunky Glasses? Because we are a Chunky Glasses production. You go to ChunkyGlasses.com, you can see that. And the wonderful work of people like Mauricio Castro and Avery Junius out there every night shooting shows. And uh, for my money, the best live coverage in the business. I love these guys, so uh, happy to be working with them as well. So it's all one big happy family. Coming up later on this week, we're going we're gonna to be talking to our good friends, Broke Royals. You heard us talking about their album, St. Luxury, that's out now. You're going to get the inside scoop on all that. So tune in on that. I think that's coming on Thursday. 
seems about right. And uh, and until then, I get out there, listen to some good music, listen to some hiss, if you will, listen to some Phil. You know what? We're going to put Phil's records in the uh, show notes, too. And uh, not just be good to your people, but be good to yourself. Take care of yourself, man. It's important. We need you here. All right. We'll talk to you in a few days. Kenobi! <laughs> 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 <laughs>